Well, hey, I'm so honored that you are all here today. If people are coming in, feel free to come in, grab seats, move around. Uh, I'm so good with everything. There's seats up here. Uh, hey, Noah and Finn, why don't you come over here? These are two of my many children. Here, you guys can sit over here. You're going to sit right next to me. So that way, that's exactly right. Here, you want to sit here? You're good. Okay. Um, no, over, no, over here. No, I'm just kidding. You're fine. Um, <laughs> Well, hey, I'm so honored to be here. As uh, Doug mentioned, it's an honor to be a part of this district. It's an honor to be a part of uh, just what God's doing in the state of Minnesota. Uh, I was texting Mark Dean, and he just mentioned 108 new ministers last night. I mean, that is incredible, incredible to think about. And so uh, many of you, uh, you are uh, pastors, staff pastors, support individuals. Would that be correct? You're kind of all in the ministry. Is that working part-time, full-time? Uh, it's good to get the gauge on that. And so, um, okay, well, I'm just going to jump into this. How many of you are familiar with the phrase like self-care? You've, you've heard it. You're familiar with it. Just raise your hand. This is where you guys, okay, awesome. Nice work. This is, uh, I'm going to engage you a little bit, okay? You might have to work for this a little bit. And so, uh, so you're, you're familiar with that. Uh, when you think about the phrase self-care, what are some things that come to your mind? Spa day. What's that? Spa day? That's good. I thought you said spot it. I was like, I have kids and spot it is not self-care, but it's good. Okay, spot it. That's good. What's that? Uh, yeah, yeah. You're, we, we can go a little diet. Diet matters. We'll go that. Okay, there we go. Okay. What's that? There you go. That's a good one. That's awesome. Tag team or tag out. Okay. Like tag out and then go take a timeout? Yeah. No, it's good. That's good. What else? What are some other thoughts? Respite. What does respite mean? Respite means you have somebody prepared to cover for you on a routine basis. That's good. That's good. Uh, how many of you, uh, what was the question? Just, it was really good. I said a really great question came to mind. I forgot it, so it must not have been that good. So, okay, so those are, those are some self-care ideas that you guys, you do on a regular basis, or you think about doing on a regular basis, right? Here's a question. Um, how, how good, or how, um, as far as pastors, ministers, uh, how good at self-care, A, are we, or B, are we known to be? Let me put it this way. Uh, how many of you in the past months Someone from your congregation has come up and said, Pastor, you work so hard, you deserve an extra day off. <laughs> Funny, right? You're like, no, that doesn't happen, right? It just doesn't happen. And so it's interesting. I just, just the thought here, like self-care, it starts with you, right? I know as pastors, as ministers, a lot of times what we, uh, what we want to do, what we opt to do is it's, it's always we're running, 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 running. It's always others first. It's always because that is the sacrificial thing to do. That's the thing to do. So many of, uh, of, of pastors, your feelers when it comes to the way that you process your emotions and your decisions. And if someone might be let down, I do not want to let them down. I would rather, you know, you don't think through it. Like if I don't, if I, if it's about letting them down or letting my family down, well, I got to go do that. But then your family is at home. So I'm just going to talk through some things here that uh, I've really learned over the past probably five years of my life. Uh, five years ago, I'll just say when it came to self-care, um, I, was, 
I was pretty much an idiot, I'll just be honest. Uh, and then I, I went through a, a pretty traumatic situation in my life that brought self-care kind of front and center. And so, Doug, I'm going to move over here just so you can see me because I have to see your face. No, I want to see your face. No. Yeah, what do you need? Right here? There you are. Here's your Tabasco as well. Um, that's right. Um, so, uh, well, here's just an intro, a little bit on me before I get to that. Um, I've been married to Allie. Uh, my wife, Allie, for 17 months. We have seven children. These are two of them. Uh, this is Noah. He's 15. That's Finn. He's 10. Uh, yeah, that's right. Go ahead. Smile, Finn. Yeah, look at that kid, right? Oh, my goodness. Um, so I'm the current lead pastor of Canvas Church in Northfield, Minnesota. Uh, we own and operate uh, the Collaborative, which is a workspace for homeschool kids, as well as a, a vacation rental property. Uh, we're actually leaving Canvas and the Collaborative, uh, and our entire, like we're leaving our family and everything that's familiar to us in the state of Minnesota uh, in a few months, and we're, leaving to, uh, we're moving to Salt Lake City, uh, Utah, to be a part of what God's doing there uh, with Seago Church. Uh, in the Salt Lake Valley. And so it's very interesting as we talk about self-care and you could be like, are you, are you, aren't you quitting your church? Didn't I hear that? <laughs> it's Part of self-care is quitting guys. I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, but I will say, so what we're doing is we're going to actually start uh, our distinct uh, purpose is to start multiple businesses where we'll be able to reach the 97% of people who live in Utah who don't know Jesus. So we're really going there kind of like sneaky Jesus style, like we're going to be doing ministry, we're going to be doing business. Uh, and so needless to say, uh, we have a lot going on in our lives. And, uh, and because of that, self-care, is, it's, it's a matter of, uh, it's not just a matter of like, oh, that's selfish, like Doug mentioned earlier, it's literally a matter of survival. And it's a huge focus of ours, my wife Allie and I. So without self-care, our life and our current workload, we, it wouldn't be sustainable. It wouldn't be sustainable. Um, nor would God see, see us fit to entrust more to. Because really, I think, I think my goal in life is uh, for God to see me trustworthy to entrust more to. And the way that, if you look through Scripture, there's the, the principle of stewardship, right? The only way that God will entrust more to you is if you're faithful with what you currently have, right? That's stewardship. And so uh, my goal in life is that God would find me and find my wife and find my family in a place where, you know what, I can entrust more to them because he's trustworthy, because he stewards what he has well. And so uh, if you're like, okay, what's a, what's a biblical concept for self-care? Stewardship. Stewardship. Uh, that was, it's one of our core values as a family. Uh, Noah, I talk to you all the time about this. Noah, what's the, what's the tagline? I, this is just fun. That's like a built-in like sermon illustration right here. Uh, Noah, what's the tagline for stewardship? The way you do anything is the way you do everything. The way you do anything is the way you do everything. The idea behind that is that uh, I don't need to see your bank account to know what, what you're like financially. I can go look at your car. What? That just got personal, didn't it? It's not judgmental, it's observation. And here's the thing, if you do feel it's judgmental, that's okay because God's seeing that. God's like, ah, gosh, I can't trust him because of, I won't entrust more to him because I can't trust him with what they have because if the way you do anything is the way you do everything, well, everything you do matters, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, so I'll keep going. Uh, I get interrupted easily. Ben, I love you. Look at this. This is awesome. You feel that? You, that's, yes. Um, so... 
let's jump into self-care and let's take the example of, of our Savior. I know self-care, you're like, okay, how are you going to tie self-care to Scripture? If you can't tie something to Scripture, you probably shouldn't speak on it. So uh, self-care, here's, here's the, the primary example for self-care I'm going to talk about today is our Savior, Jesus. He's the example of self-care. Um, so you think about him, he was constantly pursued by and poured into the crowds, right? The crowds were constantly chasing him, they're constantly after him, they're constantly pursuing him. So he was on a regular basis pouring into them, pursued by them, and to recharge himself, he had to care for himself. So he would regularly retreat to his core 12 followers, right, his disciples. Uh, and as we read scripture, we can see they're constantly jockeying for his attention, for his validation, asking questions like, who is the greatest among us? Can I sit next to you at your right hand in the kingdom? Um, like, I don't, like, on a regular basis, I don't understand what you're teaching us. Could you explain it more? It's kind of like when you've spent the entire day pouring into your staff, pouring into your church, pouring into whatnot, and all of a sudden you get home, your kid's like, hey, dad, I, I don't understand math. And you're like, oh my gosh. What's the most important thing you can do that day? It's math, right? It's your kids. So in this moment, Jesus is like, all right, boys, all right, kids, let's go, let's talk. And I'm sure at times Jesus probably felt like he was running more of a daycare than training disciples, um, especially to take over what he was, when he left for heaven. And so, so as the, the 12 became overwhelming, what would Jesus do? He would sneak away with the three, right? He would sneak away with, with Peter, James, and John. And, and then even them, the, they were the closest, most intimate relationships that Jesus had on earth. And then there were even times where these guys were talking about calling down fire from heaven. They're jockeying back and forth like, oh my gosh. So even in that moment, he had to step away from them just to spend time with his heavenly father. So you can see how Jesus, right? It's, you can see this, like the concentric circles, how it works, right? Like you have, so it's the crowds, and then it's the core 12, and then it's his three, and then it's his one on, occasionally with, with John, and then he'd go away with, with his father. I'm, I'm sure him and God are like, I'm sure he's like, oh, God, how much longer do I have to be with these people? Just a little longer, just a little longer, right? Um, and so he did that on a regular basis, though. Right? That, was, that was the way that he truly cared for himself as a man. Because I think oftentimes we know this as pastors. We know this theologically. We understand. We don't understand, but we try to understand the mystery of how he was fully God and fully man. Right? He was just like us. So in that, he needed to rest. He needed to get away. He needed care for himself. And so maybe, as I mentioned, even that structure, you can figure out or see the parallels in your own life. Right? Like his crowds... Well, that's your congregation, right? His disciples, well, that's your children. See, the closest, his three, your closest inner circle or even your spouse if you're married. Like that is the closest personal relationship that you have on earth, right? And then his heavenly father, well, his heavenly father is our heavenly father as well. And so just seeing that, that circular, like hopefully it gives you a structure of how do I do that? Okay, here's another example from scripture. Uh, this is David. He was an example of self-care from Scripture. And so uh, you can see, you know, we know David's life. We know it wasn't always easy. We can see how it started, how he was a shepherd, then it went from there. And then it, just the challenge that he went through, um, he didn't have an easy. And I'm sure, you know, we've all read that. But there's several places where David engaged in self-care. Uh, if you're ever wondering, I mean, if you're, if you're in a space or a time where you're walking through a challenging season, just read Psalms. Psalms is so like it is literally itself for your soul. Uh, there's many times where like David literally, like uh, Psalm 23, 
you know, where it's like he gives me rest. He restores my soul. Um, so, but there's other times in his life that you see these, these times that were very practical, like things that he did. There was a time in particular when the uh, Amalekites had raided, looted, and destroyed the cities of Negev and Ziklag. That was before he was king. That's where he was literally surrounded by these group of men. They were like indebted. <laughs> they were criminals. They were just this ruckus crowd that found him in the wilderness and like, be our leader. Well, in this moment, they went on a raid. They came back. The Amalekites had literally looted the cities, kidnapped their wives and their children, carried them off. You know the story. All the men are ticked. That's stone David. That's what they're saying in this moment. So what does David do? He didn't fight for himself. He didn't, he didn't do any of that stuff. He, this is what it says. This is 1 Samuel 36. Uh, I wrote that down there just so that I, I get a scripture in here. Um, it's important. 1 Samuel 36 Uh, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. It's King James. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his son and for his daughters. And then it says this, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Everyone else was freaking out. Everyone else was like, that's, that's Stone David. That's, they're grieved. They didn't know how to act or react. So in that moment, what did they do? Let's go after the leader. What did David do? What could he have done? Guys, whoa, 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 whoa. He could have fought for himself. He could have stood up for himself. But what did he do? Instead, he turned away from them and he turned to God. David encouraged himself. Now, I know sometimes in leadership, the only person that's going to encourage you is you. Right? Like sometimes it's going to be like, all right, that's another board meeting. It's another Sunday morning. It's another staff meeting. It's another whatever. You're like, all right, you can do this, Jeff, right? Like sometimes you are the one that has to encourage you. And in the, the key here is that David encouraged himself, but he invited the Lord in the process, right? It wasn't just David. It wasn't some humanistic, you can do this. It wasn't this rah, rah, rah. He encouraged himself. He took the first step. He made the choice. We all have a free will if we're going to do this or not. David made the choice to encourage himself in the Lord, like he invited the Lord into the process. You are the only one responsible to go to the Lord. Like you literally are the only one responsible to encourage you. No one else is. I know that seems like, what about my wife? Well, yeah, but how many times do you know, like if you're married, sometimes your spouse isn't always the most encouraging person. Uh, And maybe that's not necessarily their fault. Maybe there's tension going on. There's something happening. There's whatever it might be. Um, Even in those moments, it is our job. It is your job personally to encourage yourself to go to the Lord and say, God, I just, I need you. So there's another time. Uh, this was another time that David exhibited self-care. And this was a time that uh, he and Bathsheba uh, lost their first child, the one that was the product of the affair. And you know the story, the, the, the baby died, he fasted, he prayed. And then when he, when he was done, when they, the, the priest came in and he heard them talking, he's like, the child has passed, isn't it? And he got up and they're like, what's he going to do? They didn't know what he was going to do in that moment. They didn't know how he was going to respond to the death of his child. And what does he do? This is 2 Samuel 12, 20, just the first part. 2 Samuel 12, 20 says this. Then David arose from the earth, he was on the ground, and washed and anointed himself. Anointed himself and changed his clothes. And then he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. It's interesting to me because I look at that, he anointed himself. Right? Some people are like, okay, put on other versions, like he put on his lotions, 
right? But like Old Testament anointing, that's like an anointing oil. That's the, the, sign, like the, the, signif- the, uh, the sign of the Holy Spirit, right? It signifies the Holy Spirit. So you fast forward to, to, uh, to Corinth, and Paul is writing to the, the Corinthians, and he says this. He says, the person who, who prays in tongues or prays in the Spirit edifies himself, right? So there's some time where it's like, I have to anoint myself right now. And does that mean go getting, going and getting physical oil? Well, that's what David had in his day, but today we have the Holy Spirit, right? And we're part of a movement who believes in the power of the Holy Spirit, both corporately and individually. And so in this moment, individually, you know, when you're, when you're praying in your prayer language, the, the prayer language that God gave you, well, that's going to bring you to a space where you literally feel edified. There's sometimes like, I, just need, I need more patience. No, you need more Holy Spirit. I need more joy. No, you need more Holy Spirit. Right? Like sometimes we chase after these words, like, I just want to be more joyful. Then you need more Holy Spirit. Don't chase the fruit of it, chase the root of it. The root is the Holy Spirit. So there's times what we need to do rather than chase these other things. We literally, literally just need to stop, anoint ourselves, pray in, in the Spirit, and have, let the Holy Spirit literally encourage us. And so, and, and, and you can see here, um, yeah, he anointed himself, yeah, edified himself, yep. Um, so I encourage you to do that. That's a big thing. These are personal things that David did. These are things that you can do. So that's kind of the, the biblical piece of it that I want to throw out there. And I, I just have some very practical things here, things that I've learned uh, about self-care really since uh, 2017, so in the past five years. So the end of 2016 uh, started very... Um, or it ended very difficult for my wife, Tiffany, and I at the time. Um, it was the end. It was right after Christmas, and we found out that she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And that was 20, the end of 2016. So 2017, the entire year, was dedicated to battling cancer. Um, and so we were a part of so many different, I was a part of different, um, whether it was chemo, whether it was surgeries, whether it was radiation, and uh, probably around, it was the end of September, around September, we, it seemed like we had gotten through. I'm like, okay, it seemed like everything was done, all the surgeries, all the things. And, um, and during this time, so we're battling cancer, we're managing our five children at the time, and uh, simultaneously building Canvas, the church that I'm the lead pastor of. We were portable, moving to a permanent scenario. So there'd be multiple times during that year where I'd be a part of a, a three-hour chemo session, and I would leave the chemo session and I would go have a fundraising meeting and vision casting meeting to raise funds for the building. So this was my year. This was the year of 2017 for me. And I was just running super hard because that's what you do, right? That's what you do. That's just when I was like, this is what we do. This is, this is, we're pastors. This is what we, this is, you know, and this is kind of my mantra in it. Um, and I was just running very hard in this whole thing, but slowly dying inside and not really realizing it. I really didn't have an idea of how I was even managing. I was very unaware of my emotions, very, unemo- very unaware of myself. It was just, just work harder. It's kind of a mantra, no one cares, work harder, right? Like that was the thought process, just keep going. Uh, and part of it was like, well, God, I, you must trust me with this. So you're giving, you must like, you, you know I can handle it. So, and he did, and it was by his grace, it didn't, I didn't just destroy my life. But in that moment, literally in that year, it was coffee, and CrossFit that kept me going. Like those were the two things. That was it. Um, and, and obviously Christ. I talk about, yeah. So, uh, but I was truly, I wasn't caring for myself. Even in that, 
Like it was a stress relief. It was a space to go to. I just have to, I have all this rogue emotion that I don't know what to do with. So I'm going to go to the gym and just break my body. Like that is what 2017 was for me. Um, until one point at the end of like towards the end of summer, uh, my wife, Tiffany at the time, she said, uh, I'm talking to the kids. There's two here. Uh, I'm talking to the kids and I, I just saw something in myself I'd never seen, but well, I, she saw it first, but I, I would, res, uh, I would react really strongly. Like there would be like, you know, no one would ask for something. Like it would be like, you know, something minor. I was frustrated. I was annoyed, whatever. I'm like, what do you want? And it was a level 10 response. And it should have been maybe like a level three response. And this question she asked, it just, it still rings in my ears today. She's like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? And I was like, nothing's wrong with me. Like that was my response. Nothing's wrong. And then maybe a couple days go past, a week goes past, and then Noah will ask another question, and then I'll level 10 respond again. Maybe this time it should be on level four response. Like there's just this gap where I overreacted in that moment. And then the question came to me, what is wrong with me? Like what is wrong with me? Well, that really sent me into this space of chasing after what does self-care look like? What does it mean to actually care for yourself? So I reached out to one of my mentors who I trusted implicitly. He's like, well, here's something you got to do. And so I did this 100-hour warrior evolution thing where I went and I literally broke my body and learned. And I was broken mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. It was a beautiful thing. Uh, but coming back from that, I was introduced to this, this phrase called uh, react versus respond. React versus respond. See, I was in a space with my kids where I was reacting. I was reacting. I was reacting like crazy. Like they'd say, like they couldn't have, I actually was like, I I thought, well, I'm a reactionary person. And I thought, that's awesome. It's actually not. It's not. And so I got to a place where I was like, okay, if I don't react, what do I do? Respond. I need to respond. And so the difference between react and respond is a breath. It's a breath. How many of you are familiar with the, the, the practice of something called box breathing? A couple of you. Okay, box breathing, I first learned about it. I was reading a book uh, called the, the, the Way of the Seal by a guy named Mark Devine. And he talked about Navy SEALs uh, when they're in warfare, they do something called box breathing and it's to keep their heart rate down. It's to keep, so they can control their emotions, control themselves. And I'm just going to teach you guys just for fun, okay? Just for fun. Just follow along. Just help me out here. So the idea is this. So you breathe in through your nose. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how to do it first, then we'll do it once or twice, Okay. So if you feel like anxiety coming, you feel your heart rate, you have that little you know, blood vein that's popping up, like you know, like here, you breathe in through your nose for a four count. So you're like, as you're breathing in, one, two, three, four, you breathe in. Uh, so you breathe in and then you hold for a four count. Then you exhale out of your mouth, four count, hold for a four count. That's the idea of box breathing, okay? In through your nose, four, hold for four. Exhale out of your mouth for four, hold for four. Does this sound ridiculous? promise you it's not. If you read a book called uh, uh, Emotional Intelligence 2.0, it talks about the idea that every single emotion that you feel, uh, every thought you have goes through your emotional part of your brain before it hits your logical point of the brain. So even if you, right now, if you have Gmail, you went on Gmail, uh, you hit, you know, you type up an email, you're ticked off, you hit send. What does Gmail give you? It gives you like eight seconds to undo, right? Like, ah, how do I do this? Right? Like it's, it's literally there. Because you know what you can do in eight seconds? This. Oh, like you come to your senses in eight seconds, right? 
So here's the box breathing. This is just very practical. These guys have done it. Finn, when, when um, uh, he went through counseling and his counselor's like, well, how do you deal with this? He's like, well, I box breathe. And the counselor's like, how do you know how to box breathe? My dad taught me. And so I'm going to teach you guys the same thing I've taught my children. So uh, in through your nose, four count. Here we go. Ready? Okay, hold. Four, three, two, one. Exhale out of your mouth. Hold for four. Let's do one more time. In through your nose. Okay, hold. Exhale out of your mouth. Hold for four. Just breathe normally. Do you feel calmer at all? Do you feel anything? Maybe you do. I do. You guys are making me nervous up here. Um, but I encourage you. It is a tough crowd. Um, no, it's not. I encourage you, though, if you ever get a moment where you're like, oh, man, you just feel your blood pressure rise. You're feeling like this. You're feeling like literally just give it a shot. Remember to do this. Um, even if you're, you know, you're getting out of your car, you're about to go in the house, the kids are going crazy. Take a moment. You, you feel like you're on the verge of reacting, but you're like, okay, I, how do I get out of this? This is self-care. You breathe, right? And if you want to even go to the next step, when you're breathing, if you want to bring your mind to your intentions to, okay, so uh, Ruach, Numa, that's spirit. So uh, God, he formed this pile of dirt and breathed Ruach, his spirit into us, his breath into us, right? So even the idea of like, okay, Holy Spirit. So even in that moment, so uh, react, respond, box. Okay, so, um, so that was late summer of 2017 that I was beginning to learn these things. Well, fast forward two years uh, and it was the, the summer of 2019. And I found myself uh, a widower grieving the loss of my wife uh, of 16 years, as well as guiding my five children through uh, grieving the loss of their mother. So that was the two-year span of, that's it. And it was in that, that space I continued on with the self-care, like, okay, how do, I, how do I survive this season? How do I survive this season? And uh, it made me think of, uh, you mentioned it back here, ma'am, you mentioned the idea of when you're on an airplane, right? You get on an airplane, and uh, what is one of the things that the flight attendants talks about in case of cabin pressure, the mask is going to fall? What are you supposed to do? Put on yourself first, right? Because what happens if you don't? Are we good at putting in ourselves first as pastors? No, we'll run ourselves into the ground, helping other people, right? See, here's the reality. This is what we have to do. We have to put the mask on first. You have to care for yourself first. And I know that might feel like, oh, that's super selfish and that's, uh, yeah, I need to be more sacrificial. I just want to encourage you. Like, I know it flies in the face of some of our personal wiring. Some of us are wired to be just incredible feelers and we're like, well, I have to help. I have to be there. It even flies in the face of, of like what a pastor is supposed to do. Uh, but it's true. We have to care for ourselves first. If you want to be in ministry long term, if you want to achieve longevity in ministry, you've got to learn. You've got to master self-care. And, and I realized this in this season. I realized this is a phrase that if I go sideways, me personally, if I go sideways, everything goes sideways. And I thought about this. If, if, if I go sideways, well, then I go myself go sideways, then my kids would go sideways, my staff would go sideways, my church would go sideways, my entire life would. So it had to start with me. And I don't know if you know this, but the only person responsible for caring for you is you. 
You might be looking at your spouse. You might be looking at your parents. You might be looking at your children. You might be looking at literally the only person uh, on earth that God gave you, like the, the care of you two is you, right? You might be married, have incredible friends, even incredible family, but at the end of the day, uh, you are the only one that that God has placed you in the hands of stewarding. So self-care is self-stewardship, right? Your self-care is not their responsibility. Uh, And and I'll say this, self-care within reason, right? Like self-care shouldn't become like the crutch, like, hey, I got to go to the deer stand again, (laughs) 15th night in a row. Uh, I mean, this weekend, I'm going to be at the ice shack again. Like you can't slough your other responsibilities for self-care. It's within reason, right? So here's some things that I've found that work for self-care. Daily scripture. I know you're like, duh. (laughs) But honestly, if I went around and sat down with you, I'd say, hey, how many of you are actively spending time in scripture every single day, not for a sermon, but for your soul. How many of you are doing that? Like, don't, don't raise me. This isn't like an interrogation. Mark, Pastor Mark didn't put me up to this. Uh, I'm just kidding. But like, really, how many of you like spend time with Jesus on a regular basis where it's not like, uh, can I just get an inspiration for this message? Holy Spirit, please. Um, Daily scripture with Jesus. It's not for a sermon, it's for your soul. And when you think of soul, when, the, when they talk about soul in scripture, the idea of a soul, the ancients would have, like David, when he talked about his soul, like you restore or refreshes my soul. It's the idea of the mind, will, and your emotions. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. Right? Like you're going to the scriptures for salve for your soul. Like I need this. I need my emotions restored. I need my mind restored. My will, right? I need that restored. So uh, daily scripture. I put um, weekly Sabbath, right? Sabbath is is literally, it is a gift uh, from God to man. I remember I did a a message series on Sabbath one time. And I just asked this simple question. If if you could, um, if your boss came to you and said, hey, I'm going to give you 52 more days off a year. It's like seven weeks. What would you do? That'd be amazing. Like what? Seven weeks? 50? What? But God gives us that, right? Every single week, every week, the Sabbath is built in, right? And if God rested, please, as a pastor, we need to rest, right? And I'll just, I'll go this far, that if you're a pastor and you're not taking your Sabbath, then you're not honoring God. Like, I think at a certain point, we even have to realize in our personalities and how God's wired us, we even have to realize that if God took a day off, then we need to take a day off. The world doesn't depend upon us, right? It's either, it's an opportunity for us to step back and be like, God, I just, I need you to run everything today. I need you to do this today. So weekly Sabbath, I will say this, uh, uh, a workout routine. You mentioned vegetables back there, right? Eat them up. Guys, your weekly... Re- What's that? Take double. See? That's right. The way that you... Like, literally, the way you steward your body, it matters. Right? Like, I was on caffeine and CrossFit. There is a way to overdo it. Right? But there's also a way, like, okay, what's, what's a healthy balance? What's a space where I feel good about my BMI? What's a space that's body mass index? What, what's a space where I know what I'm eating is actually healthy for me and food is actually medicine for me and food is energy? And I know what I'm eating right now is going to make me, it's going to fuel me, it's going to help, it's going to give me a, a, a better return on my investment for my time because my mind's more focused, 
when I first began ministry, uh, I was a youth pastor, and I'd always go have these lunches, and we'd have, uh, you know, we'd have pasta or these big lunches or whatever it would be. By two o'clock, I'd be back in my office, and I was like, I just need to crawl under the, like, under my desk and take a nap, like for real. And so I've even had to figure out my schedule. I don't eat big lunches. I actually don't take a lunch break most days. Like I'll eat my, like I'll have my food. I'll eat and meet. We'll have a staff meeting. We'll be meat eating together. It's lighter. It's uh, it's like a smaller portion. I encourage you. Um, so there is. I don't have it on me right now. So even have you guys ever counted your your calories, your macros? Zach, I know you have, right? Probably. Um, so the macro component, this idea, like it's your, it's your what's uh, proteins, carbs, fats, right? You're actually calculating what goes into your body. Like you're counting your calories to understand, okay? And if you, if you really want to know how you operate best, you need to literally write stuff down. You need to figure stuff out. You need to, to, to uh, go through and look at, okay, this, I ate this that day. That wasn't great. Like my body's at a place, if I eat pasta now, and it's not gluten-free, I'm just done. Like, it's just like, why did I do that to myself? Um, so really, the way that you eat matters. Uh, exercise. And it really doesn't matter, like, it, it, if it's CrossFit, if it's like, I'm going to go for a walk today. Start somewhere. Some people are like, well, I can't do CrossFit. Okay, what can you do? What can you do? Like, what is something you can actively do? I'm going to go for a walk, a two-mile walk. So my wife and I, this morning, we got up, and our workout uh, we normally go to a different space where we have a personal trainer that, that walks us through a workout. Uh, but today, because of different things going on, I was like, well, let's not go. Let's do something else. So uh, we ran from our house to downtown. It was a walk, run, walk, run type scenario. Brought our dog, sat, had a cup of coffee and walked back. It's about four miles. That was a workout for the day. It was awesome. Right? It doesn't have to be like I just did you know, a, a personal record bench press, whatever. You're like, I just moved my body. Right? So do that. So, uh, and that's weekly. Like, do that multiple times a week. That matters. Um, so monthly. Uh, monthly structured fun or rest. So this is something built in monthly, right? So whether it's uh, time with friends. Maybe you have friends that are uh, like just outside your neighborhood or they're like an hour and a half away. Hey, let's plan a special time where we're going to go. And you guys know the friends, right? The friends where you go and like, it doesn't matter if you haven't talked to them for like a year, two years or whatever. And you're like, ugh, so refreshing. Doug and Peg, you guys are that for, for real. Like it can be like, haven't talked to them for a while. We see them, we connect. It's like, oh my gosh. You know, and you're like, why don't we do this more often? Okay, just... Just do it on a regular basis, though, right? Those friends, those people, like whatever it might be. Maybe it's an afternoon on your motorcycle. Maybe it's an afternoon in the deer stand or uh, overnight getaway with your spouse. Whatever you need uh, to refill and rest to take care of yourself. You know what most people aren't really good at? If I were to come up to you and say, hey, what do you need to, to refill? Uh, uh, do any of you know off the top of your head what you need to refill? Sit down and read. That's awesome. You know, for a long time, I never read fantasy books because like, I'm just going to read leadership, self-leadership. Let's do this. <laughs> John Maxwell. If it's not John Maxwell, I'm not reading it. Like that was my, and then I read Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and I realized it hit a totally different part of my brain. And I was like, why did it take me so long? So I encourage you. And honestly, it was a great escape, right? Like you're off. So uh, what are some other things? Baking. Baking. Okay. I love to hike. Love to hike. Okay. 
It's good. Yoga. Yoga. Mm-hmm. Okay. Long drives. Long drives. Okay. See, these are the things, like if someone's like, like last, this morning, my wife were talking and she's like, what do you need today to relax, to refill? Most of the time I'm like, I don't know. That's not okay. Right? I was like, well, let's go for a run. Let's do this. Like for me, breaking my body helps me refill. Like pushing myself to a point, breaking my body. It's good for me to know that. You might be in a different space. It's, it's, it's baking. It's reading. It's long drives. It's hiking. Right? So it's good to know, like, what do you need in order to refill? Um, here's another thing I wrote down, annual vacation. Uh, if you're like, I just need to go sit on a beach. That's awesome. I need to go to the mountains. That's awesome. Like, you need space to do something like that. Do that. Mm-hmm. We as Americans, we're really, really bad at, like, vacationing well. Right? Because what we do is like, okay, I'm seven days here. I'm going to do, I'm going to get as much sun as I can, as much food as I can, as much drink as I can, as much adventure as I can, as much whatever. And you're like, you're not even rested. You get back from your, your vacation, you're like, oh my gosh. Right? Am I wrong on this? So my wife, Tiffany, and I, we would go uh, to Mexico every year. It was maybe like uh, the end of January, early February. And, uh, I would start off every Sunday morning, like people are like, oh, how are things back at Canvas? Is everything okay? I would intentionally walk down to the beach because the villa where we're at was like a 10 minute walk to the beach. I'd go down there and I'd get a massage, hour long massage. I'd hear the waves. People were like, how's the church? I'm like, I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> like literally, I did what I needed to. And that's how I started my vacation every year. I was like, I'm not thinking about it. You know, I've done what I'm going to, what am I going to do for Mexico? to fix a, a sound issue in Northfield, right? right? And am I really that important? Just say no. I'll say no for you. I'm not, right? And so, so I just encourage you an annual vacation or adventure. And, and I just, I put this here, like uh, I love adventure, like adventures in my soul. Like that just gives me, like it just gives me incredible rest, peace, the spirits, uh, the, the mountains, uh, they speak to my soul. I, I just encourage you, invest in self-care. Uh, I have a, a hat on right now. It says 29029. This past August, uh, my wife, Allie, and I drove out to Utah, uh, and I climbed a mountain. I had 36 hours to climb 29,029 vertical feet, the height of Everest. I had 36 hours to do it. I only climbed uh, 20,000 feet in, in that time frame, so I didn't quite make it. It was 10 out of 13 laps. You're like, that's crazy and stupid and ridiculous, but I loved it, right? Like it was so restorative to me. What do you need? What's your mountain? What's your thing? And I will say this, the whole, the whole experience cost probably between the price for the race and the price for getting out there and travel, it's probably about $6,500. So it wasn't cheap by any means, but I just, I will say this, right? Learn to invest in you. Learn to invest in you. Don't be cheap when it comes to you. The food you buy, don't buy trash. Invest in you, right? If your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and I mean, we want to live a long time, right? I guess we don't, okay. Um, I personally do. What you do on a daily basis matters. So don't, don't chintz out on the food that you put in your body. Don't chintz out on the experiences that you have. Do things that legitimately restore your soul. Even like your marriage. 
You know, go on a space where my wife and uh, Allie and I, we drove out there. We had an incredible adventure driving out there, drove through Yellowstone, the Grand Tetons. We saw moose. We went glamping. That was awesome, right? Like, we, that was a part of it, right? This glamorous camping. That's right. It was awesome. So I encourage you, spend money on you. Spend money. Invest in your rest. Does that make sense? Awesome. So these are some things that I do and have done for self-care. Um, let me just finish with this, and then I don't know how much time I have, uh, but I wanna, I'll want to. i finish. I can answer some questions if you have any. Um, what do you do? What do you need to refill? So write this down for yourself. This is something for you, like very practical for you to, to answer. Just ask the question, what do I need to do to refill? What do I need to do to rest? And then literally write down like a self-care structure. I gave you daily, couple weekly things to do, monthly thing and an annual thing. Just write that down. You know what writing things down does? It holds you accountable. How many of you like to be held accountable? None of us, right? So, okay. Questions? You don't have to have any. Oh, we got one right up front. Can you just say your weekly ones, your daily ones again? 100%. My weekly ones, um, weekly Sabbath, and then weekly workout, like weekly workout routine, if that makes sense. It depends on what you do. Uh, currently, my wife and I work, at a play, work out at a place where you do eight exercises, and it's upper body, lower body. You move to failure every single time uh, in every movement, and then they add something called finishers. So you already smoked. You're about to throw up, and they're like, just give me four more reps. I'm like, I hate you. And so, but you do that, and your body physically can only really do it twice a week unless you're just all about the right food and all about the different. So we work out twice a week. We watch what we eat. We do the things. So um, I would encourage you. And we're even at, like, that's going to walk, that's going to run, that's going to jog. So three times a week doing something active is key. Uh, in back first and then up front. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So it's a great question. I was personally reading today um, in my, my, my time, and I read about a guy named the Apostle Paul, who was a tent maker and a missionary. And I just think that sometimes we get in a space, and I know what you're saying, I don't mean to diminish it at all, but literally if you don't prioritize it, it won't happen. It really, it just won't. If, you're, if you don't, because the thing about Sabbath, like you literally, you have to prioritize it, then you have to guard it. It's kind of like vision. You can cast vision. People are like, hey, cast that vision. Cast it, cast it. You can cast vision so long, people will finally get it, but then you also have to protect that vision. It's kind of like this. You prioritize it, and then you protect it. Because I promise you, even this morning, today is actually my Sabbath, so I, I shouldn't be doing this right now. Doug, please forgive me. Um, so I woke up this morning, though, and one of the things the devil always tries to do to me on my Sabbath, uh, myself and Allie, is that he tries to steal my rest. Right, And so I woke up this morning and uh, we're closing in our house next week and then we're moving, we're re-renting it and then we're, we're going to re-rent it till June and then in June we're moving to Wisconsin for like six weeks and then August we're moving to Utah. So I woke up this morning with waves 
of anxiety. Oh my gosh, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? What about, this? What about this? like just, and then I was like, okay, hold on. This is spiritual because it's my Sabbath. And the devil would love for me to be at rest, sitting, doing nothing with my mind and my emotions all wrapped up like crazy. So you have to protect it. So I just encourage you, like in that moment, like when you're, you're the bivocational piece, the whatnot, uh, what I've learned about Sabbath is that I am a better human when I've, when I've taken Sabbath. I'm a better pastor. I'm a better father. I'm a better husband. Like I am a better human being, rested. Because when I'm not taking my Sabbath, I slide really easily into the react space of life and I'm reacting on everyone. And then what happens is, is that someone comes up to you with a legit need and rather than wanting to love them and hug them, you want to push them away because what you're doing is you're like, I have to, I literally have to just protect myself, right? And then you're just steps closer to burnout. Uh, another thing I encourage you to do with this as we're talking about self-care and whatnot, uh, I think it was Socrates that said it, but the phrase, know thyself. Have you ever heard that? Know thyself. Like if you don't know you, if you don't know, hey, what do you need to rest? I don't know. Okay, then you're probably not going to get what you need, right? It's like when you're in an argument with your spouse, like, what do you need from me? I don't know. Then you're not going to get it. If you don't know yourself, then realistically, how are you going to work on yourself? How are you going to improve yourself? How are you going to make you better? right? You have a choice in this. And I think um, even, so as we're talking about this, uh, how many of you have heard of Enneagram? Okay, some people are like, oh, it's kind of spooky. I don't know. Some people are like, I get that. Uh, I understand that. Anything can be that, right? When I was a kid, my parents won't put me in karate because it was an Eastern religion. I was like, I just want to like kung fu someone. I don't want to like, <laughs> right? Uh, it is what you make it. That's the idea. But I just say that because Enneagram, if you do a deep dive into who you are, uh, you'll begin to understand like my inner motivations. Like, why do I do that? Why do I act that way? Why do I, like for me, uh, I learned and I've been on a, a, a journey with Enneagram. Enneagram's not just a test you take and all of a sudden you get it. Oh, aha. I've been studying it for like five years to figure pieces out about myself. I'm an Enneagram 8, which uh, one thing about Enneagram 8 is that I'm in something called an anger triad, right? My inner go-to default emotion is anger, right? And so that was so freeing for me. Uh, but it's hard for me to put in the context, I'm a pastor and my first emotion is anger. Um, but then, right? But then I saw a couple of times, I, I love these places in scripture. I'm like, oh, Jesus was angry, right? He was angry at death with Lazarus. He was angry in the moment. He, he, he was angry, but he didn't sin. He was angry. He formed a whip and then he went and kicked tables over and he's whipping. I was like, yes, Jesus was angry. So I can be angry too. It matters what you do with it. Anyway, so I say that to be like, if you, like knowing yourself will help in this moment. Even the, he, you know, the, the Sabbath piece, the, the, um, the dual vocational component. At the end of the day, though, this is what I just know. How many of you truly believe God called you into ministry so your life would suck? Okay, good, none of you. But yet sometimes we operate that way. We frame our life that way. Right? It doesn't have to. You're like, I'm sorry, this is my Sabbath. I'm protecting this. Well, what about this or this or this or this? There was a couple weeks ago, an opportunity to go uh, to a mastermind, meet a bunch of people that would network to do different things. It'd be awesome. All this incredible. I was like, ah, I have to honor my Sabbath. I have to honor my Sabbath. Missed out. What about the opportunity? I honestly believe that God's big enough that if I rest, like if I'm like, if I rest in him, he can take care of the rest. If that makes sense. So that's just what I'm saying. I'm not trying to, please, I, Last thing I want to do is, I'm not trying to talk down at all. 
uh, it really it comes down to a choice. So. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to come back to that question because I just thought, had another thought for you guys. Um, Sabbath is kind of like tithe, right? It doesn't make sense, humanly speaking. So I, I, there's less time. I'm going to get more done. <laughs> I have less money, but my bills are going to be covered. I'm going to be blessed. It's the same concept. It's trusting God with your time, right? Your time, your talent, your tra- that's the idea. So anyways, so uh, avoidance ver- versus self-care. So uh, you said yourself, you know in yourself, right? Like the Holy Spirit in you, right? I think that's a key. And I think honestly, like if, if you come to a place where you're beginning to understand your emotions and understand, even like when you go back to Enneagram and you begin to understand your inner motivations, like if you take the test, you do some deep dive, you begin to understand, oh, this is how God has actually uniquely wired me. Like, so for me, what I've had to do with my anger is I've realized, okay, I have to funnel that. Well, what is anger? Anger is emotion. What is emotion? Emotion's energy, right? So when I say I break my body and that's good for me, it's because I translate that anger, that emotion into energy to break my, it's good for me. That's self-care. So for you in the idea of like, okay, what's self-care or avoidance? Well, if the Holy Spirit, if you know, then it's up to you to act, A. But B, uh, part of this is that God did not create us to do this alone, right? So even one of the things when walking through uh, after, into and after my wife passed, my wife Tiffany passed, I had five friends that I literally gave the keys to my life to. Like I was like, I, have, I can do st- stupid so quick. Mm-hmm. I have too much riding on like what God has already done in my life to not literally submit to five people. And so in that, I'd go to them for everything. Not everything, like, hey, what should I eat for dinner? Not that, but like major decisions, right? Even to the point where like my, my wife Tiffany had passed, I felt like I think it's time, I feel like it's time for me to, to start dating again, which seems so, so strange. And I went to all five of them separately, individually, submitted my life, and I said, I won't do anything until you guys give the thumbs up, like all five of you. And they all did because that was that when the time came, right? So I just say that to say, don't be afraid to submit your life to someone and someone that says like, hey, do this, You're like, yes, sir. Do this, yes, ma'am. Like someone you trust, obviously. It's not like someone who has ill uh, intentions for you, but someone that knows you well, knows that, oh, she has a tendency to avoid. Okay, I just, can I just say, I feel like you're avoiding. You're calling it self-care because you're, you're just driving down in the cities or you're driving wherever and you just go, honestly, I think it's unhealthy. I think you should have that conversation. So having someone else hold you accountable to it, that helps. Like when we talk, and, and I'll say this, in this whole thing, the self-care component, one of the greatest reasons why Allie and I get up and, and go work out at this place is because they're scheduled times with a trainer that we know we're friends with. If we don't go, they don't get paid. So we're like, oh, we got to go. And so that's, it's an accountability piece. So I encourage you, as, as strange as it seems, I talked about the word accountability earlier and we're all like, oh, right? It's one of those things, if you really want to achieve great things in life, you, you're not going to do it alone. There's, a, there's a, this old saying, I don't know who said it, but if you want to go far, uh, if you want to go fast, go alone. You want to go far, bring other people with you. 
Whatever it is, if you want to go far and whatever it might be, you can't go alone. You need people next to you. You need people who are cheering you on. You need people that are holding you up when you're about to do stupid. You need people that are saying, hey, I don't think that's self-care. I think that's something else. I think you need to have the conversation. So that's what I'd say. Does that make sense? Other questions? Oh, what's your name? Uh, it's an easy one. Jeff <laughs> went. Like I went somewhere. <coughs> W-E-N-D as in Delta T. The D is silent. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Um, you're like taking me as the first person to ever talk to me about macros. Mm. Uh, yes. Any favorite apps that help people if they are starting out to try to understand what that means? I do. I do. Hold on one second. I just have to grab my phone. Um, so you can actually download it. I didn't even, it's called My Fitness Pal. See? Uh, My Fitness Pal, there's a free version you can go on, uh, download that. There's one you can pay for where there's actual coaching. Uh, but My Fitness Pal, you can go on there. Uh, one of the things when I talk about with My Fitness Pal, you actually, you, you, what I would encourage you, the best way to actually do it or learn how to do it, is to uh, hire a nutritionalist. This goes back to investing in me, right? Investing in me, right? Like what are you doing to invest in you? Besides just education, right? Like, well, I'm going back to get, I'm going back to get a drink. I'm going to, what are you doing to invest in you physically, right? And so a uh, higher nutritionalist, uh, one of the things with the gym that we work at, it's called Discover Strength, if anyone's interested. There's, they're all, kind of all over the cities. Uh, they do something called a bod pod, which is a body composition test, which is the most humbling, worst thing I ever have done in my life. You get in like, Real like small shorts, you get in there, it, it, you get in this little, literally it's a pod and it like sucks the air out and then it measures like how much of your body is muscle, skeleton, or fat. I hate that day. But here's the thing, guys, what, what gets measured gets like done, right? Like you pay attention to it, right? And so if, if I don't do that, I have no idea the progress I've made. So as much as it hurts, it's taking the time to, you know, have that and be like, oh gosh, this is horrible. Um, so that's what my fitness pals one. That's the main one I use. Um, so it's good. Any other? Yes, ma'am. Two quick things. So I heard that Bod Pod just tells you what is salt because then mm -hmm. you can work mm -hmm. forward. Yes. Right. And then the earlier thing I heard is like, um, I'm thinking about my child that just blew out this morning and I was like oh my goodness I need to change my plans but sometimes there's a step of it was an answer in what you answered somebody over here there's a step of trusting God in all things like mm -hmm. it's time to take Sabbath or it's time mm -hmm. to invest in me and just go away mm -hmm. and either this problem will or will not be here when I get back mm -hmm. and to me, that kind of falls into the category of trusting God in all things. So, like, even though there's dual stuff going on and, like, you're, you've chosen or you find yourself in 14 million different poles, you know, there's something about, like, um, that we don't have to be God. Mm -hmm. Trust God and then, mm -hmm. you know, God can handle it for the day we're off or away mm -hmm. or the hour we take away. So. Mm -hmm. Something like that. It sounds crazy when you say it, right? Yeah. God, you got this? I'm going to take the day off. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, that's really, yeah. Right. So you talked about your child just had a blowout. Um, 
So I think about this, like, you know, as much as you want to structure everything in life and have it very structured, make sure you're getting all the time, all the different things. Um, personally, uh, I'm more of a structure person. I do love the flow piece. Uh, for me, like, I had to actually, I wrote these thoughts out. Like, I could have wrote, written, like, I had them written down when I did the talk with you guys. I wrote it out, and then I was like, you know what, I actually need to take the next step, add it to this. And part of it is so that I can scale it. I didn't know I was going to do a self-care talk again until Doug's like, hey, when do you do that again? I was like, for sure. Well, now I can just, I can pull back on this at any time because I've, I literally, I've, I've written it down so I can draw from it later. Uh, so I just like being structured. That's more my, like how I'm wired. But then there's times no matter how structured you are, you're still going to have the blowouts, right? That's where I think about in, in James 1, how it talks about, you know, when you faced obstacles of many kinds, you call it pure joy. And from a human perspective, you're like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, right? Like, this is ridiculous. But then you have to ask the Holy Spirit because in order to feel it's the Holy Spirit, that's the fruit of the Spirit, right? So, but I think about that for me, it's, it's reframing from like a blowout to like, oh, it's an obstacle. Well, there's an opportunity in every obstacle, right? If we reframe those moments, like this is an opportunity for growth because if you continue on, it, it, what happens, right? It builds uh, character. It builds uh, endurance, right? And so it's opportunities like that that really build your character, that build... So that's, when, when you think about the craziness and the blowouts and things like that, be as structured, because I think, honestly, I, I think God honors structure. Nothing is built without structure. Like there's grass trying to grow out here right now, and if there wasn't internal fibers and structure helping it stand up, the trees out there, if they were just jelly rather than fibrous and structured, they wouldn't get that high or that tall. Like there's a lot of natural, supernatural correlations that we don't really think about. It's the same way with us spiritually. If we don't have structure in our life, in our spiritual life, we're not going to grow. We're only going to grow to a certain point. We're going to feel the lid, right, without another layer, layer of structure. So structure matters, but also being able to go with the flow, embracing the opportunities, that matters. I think we're about timed. One more question. I was going to tell you this for the end. This is a two-minute warning. Would you, Jeff, yes, sir. tell this room what would you tell Jeff 10 years ago? Tell yourself. Oh. And this is your final test. And, and, uh, but seriously, what would you tell <clears throat> Jeff 10 years ago? that you wish you would have known 10 years ago, and then would you just pray over this room? I would. So I'm 45 right now. So 10 years ago, I was 35. 10 years ago, I was uh, a year into planting Canvas Church in Northfield, Minnesota. And so uh, 10 years ago, uh, Finn was not even one yet. That's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. And so, uh, so 10 years ago, probably uh, some of the things, honestly, I shared with you today like, I think one of the last things we do is invest in us. Like, I think in our culture, we think it's okay to invest in education, and that's the only thing it's okay to invest in. But invest in your rest. Mm -hmm. Invest in your diet. Like, stop eating at McDonald's so much. I get crap for that all the time. My son now works at McDonald's, and he's like, Dad, I minister to more people from the church every week than you do because he works at McDonald's. <laughs> He's asking for a job. I don't know what to do now. Uh, but what you put in you matters. You know, and I will say this. So like uh, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, invest in you. Uh, I fell in love with scripture. Sounds crazy. Like 10 years ago, I had a revival, personal revival to scripture from reading scripture. Not for like a sermon preparation, but for my soul. I think too often we go too far, too long, too like, 
just drawing from, well, my professor said this, and I did this, and I did this, without truly knowing the Father. And so I would say the, the rest piece, invest in rest, um, the Sabbath piece, don't miss that. Like really what I gave you, like honestly, yeah. if someone would have t- told me this 10 years ago and I didn't have to learn it the hard way, mm-hmm. I'd be so much further right now. This room would be so much bigger. There'd be so many, I'm just kidding. That's not true. Um, but really that's, that's honestly what, what would have happened. That's, I, I would have got there faster. So.